This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome into this week's Weekly Pipeline Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Schusterman, joined, as always, by my favorite Prospect best friends, Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Uh, Jonathan, how, how are you today? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm back home in Pittsburgh for the first time in what seems like uh, an eternity. Uh, so it's nice to be in, in my normal digs for, for this week's podcast. Yes, and, and Jim, I know you've been traveling a good amount uh, over the last month or so. Well, uh, Jim, are you, are, you, are you back safely at home as well? I am. I think I was home. I, I figured out for like two full days out of like 22 and it was like five different trips and 10 flights and a bunch of driving. Um, so I was a little bit of a daze by the time I got done with the AAA All-Star game. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I do have the the Under Armour game, which we'll talk about in a little bit on my docket, but that's a home game for me. So uh, I don't think I have to go anywhere uh, uh, for a long time. So probably maybe not until the Arizona Fall League, unless I'm forgetting something. Wow. Whoa. All right. Well, that's good. Now this makes uh, obviously I saw you you both uh, last week uh, in Cleveland, but my my similar trip to Cleveland is not exactly interesting compared to your uh, rigorous travels uh, for both of you. So uh, we've got lined up for this week's uh, edition of the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about some recent uh, MLB call ups and, and some rookies that that definitely fascinate us from the first round pick. Uh, high-profile guys like Bubba Starling to the mystery men uh, like Rodarty. Um We are also uh, going to to dig into, as you mentioned, uh, Jim, uh, the upcoming uh, Under Armour uh, All-American game, which takes place at Wrigley, as well as the Perfect Game All-American game taking place in San Diego. Uh, some of the, the best 2020 draft prospects uh, in, from, from the high school ranks will be playing in those. But let's begin uh, at the top with a guy who, uh, one of the, the, I guess, the most veteran prospects that we've had in baseball, Bubba Starling, who was the number five overall pick by his hometown Kansas City Royals way back in 2011, finally made his major league debut uh, this past week and recorded uh, his first career hit. So let's let's I don't even know where to begin with Bubba because this has been such a long story and such a winding road. But Jonathan, I'll start with you. What do you remember about Bubba Starling uh, as as a high school prospect and and just some general thoughts on him finally making the big leagues? Boy, it was so long ago. Um, you know, I mean, obviously he was the sort of prototype uh, for the incredibly toolsy, albeit raw, multi-sport star. This is a guy who was one of the best uh, high school football quarterbacks in the country, who the, the Royals signed away from, from playing football. Uh, for him to begin his pro career. And, you know, I think there was, you know, some recognition and understanding that it might take a little while for things to click. Uh, when things like that were said back in 2011, when he was drafted 12, 13, 14, uh, I don't think anyone thought it would be 2019 uh, before it would really uh, come together. Uh, and, 
you know, he, he was one of these, he just was sort of a lost prospect and he never until very, very recently could figure out any kind of approach at the plate. I mean, even in 2016, five years after he was drafted and he got kind of pushed up, so he was in double and triple A for, for the year, he struck out 145 times and walked 22 and had a 534 OPS. So it clearly just, it wasn't working. And then, you know, 2017, I remember noticing that it got a little bit better, even though he only played 80 games. Then he missed almost all of 2018 and then came back this year with the caveat that offensive numbers in AAA are inflated, but the strikeout rate was down. The walk rate has been up um, and the numbers have been better. And that's how we ended up, you know, earning that, that first call up at, at age 26, uh, you know, eight years after being one of the most exciting athletes in that 2011 draft. And back to that 2011 draft, which I think at the time we realized how loaded it was, but now uh, it is, is really approached um, kind of historic levels as 29 of the first 30 selections have made the big leagues, uh, or I guess I should say 28 of the first 30 selections. Levi Michael currently in AAA with the I don't Jets, think he's going to um, make is, is, He's yeah, but him and Danny Holton, the number two overall pick, who's in AAA with the Cubs, he's he's hurt a little bit. Uh, were the only ones. But uh, what do you remember about that 2011 class? Of course, uh, it included uh, you know all stars such as Anthony Rendon, Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, um, Francisco Lindor, Javi Baez, George Springer. Uh, so many great names there. Um, do, what do you remember about that class? And are you surprised that here we are now, uh, eight years later, it's been as successful as it is? Um, I'm not because Jonathan will probably agree with this too. But like usually when you're you're starting to cover draft in the in the fall or the winter looking ahead there's usually kind of like some resignation oh the draft's not super deep or it has this but not that um but 2011 everybody was saying this is going to be like like probably the best draft of the decade people were expecting great things it's lived up to it i mean just looking at, at some of the names in the first round you know you start with garrett cole at the top Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, Anthony Rendon, Francisco Lindor, Javi Baez, George Springer, the late Jose Fernandez, you know, Sonny Gray's had a nice career. Colton Wong's had his moments. You know, you can go on and on and on. So, I mean, people were expecting this to be like, you know, one of those once in a decade type drafts. And I think it was. Um, uh, So that part doesn't surprise me. The thing I remember at the top was the Royals were kind of in a tough spot at five because they really – wanted a pitcher like not that you draft for need but that was really what they were hoping for was one of the top four pitchers in the draft would fall to him and Gary Cole Danny Holton Trevor Bauer and Dilly Bundy all went one through four and then they liked Bubba I mean obviously they took him five and they paid him seven and a half million dollars which was a record for a, a position player until Adley Rutschman broke it this year and I guess Bobby Wood Jr. broke it as well but they were also conscious that like look there's going to be a lot of pressure on Bubba being from Kansas and playing for Kansas city um, and getting, you know, you asked Jonathan what he remembered of him at the time, you know, it was interesting for a guy. And I think teams maybe, I, I don't know if Bubba Sterling would have necessarily gone fifth in the draft. If the draft were today, looking at the way teams do it now, because the one thing that kept coming up with, with Bubba as, as athletic and as talented and as gifted as he was, was, you know, he's from very small, you know, it wasn't great competition at Gardner Edgerton high school in Gardner, Kansas. And he struggled on the showcase circuit. He did not hit really well. He hit better towards the end of the summer, 
but he really struggled at the beginning of facing much better competition than he was accustomed to. And I was looking at my scouting report while, while Jonathan was talking and the comp I had for him was Drew Stubbs, who was a, another, you know, great tools, not really much of a hitter type center fielder. And he obviously, obviously hasn't had that kind of career, but you know, not a lot has gone right for Kansas city this year, but I will say as somebody who did their prospect list for several years, Jonathan's doing it now. It did warm my heart a little bit that even though they're, you know, having a bad year, Kyle Zimmer got to the big leagues this year. And now Bubba Starling got to the big leagues this year. And you know, Bubba can play defense. I mean, he, he's a really good center fielder. I just, you know, I, I don't know if he'll hit, hmm. but I like the credit to him too. A lot of these two sport guys, and he was more of the, I think, athletic quarterback than the passing quarterback. But, you know, he would have had a Nebraska scholarship and could have pursued playing quarterback there. A lot of these football guys, when they struggle, they cut bait and they go back to football. You know, it's, it's a lot more fun playing college football than, than riding buses or, or playing in front of a few thousand fans in the minors. And Bubba has never given up. So I, I commend Bubba Starling for never giving up. Cause I'll, I'll admit, I mean, the last couple of years as I was doing the Royals list and, and he wasn't on it the last couple of years, I remember thinking, geez, you know, I wonder if this guy's going to wind up back at Nebraska playing football, you know, like age 28 or something. And then, and Jonathan, I'll let you answer this one. Do you remember, I, I don't know if you remember this, but it, it's made an impression on me. He, he made two stints in the fall league and his first one was in 2014. And he was one of the worst hitters I've ever seen in the fall league in 2014. He just looked hopeless, although he, he rebounded the next year, you know, and, and looked a lot better in 15. And he's gotten to big leagues. But do you remember that that first year in the fall league in 14, how bad he looked? I'm looking at his number. He went one hit, 177 with 30 strikeouts and 84 plate appearances. Yeah, you know, it was just they shouldn't have sent him to the fall league. Right? He was coming off a year in the Carolina League. He had moved up to the Carolina League where he had hit 218 with 150 yeah. strikeouts and 549 plate appearances like it was a bad he was not ready to be challenged like that I think they were hoping it would get him ready for double a and he was you know he was a little bit better the next year in double a you know when he when he got there um but he wasn't great and then in 2015 he was better he you know he had missed some time in 2015 so yes I do remember how much how much he struggled I think that was probably the first time where, because we don't get to lay eyes on these guys that often, where I did, you did think, huh, is he not going to figure this out? And and I do, you know, I like that you brought that up, because I, I feel like every year that he struggled, there was that rumor that he was going to just go and play football in college. You know, after the first two or three years where it was clear it wasn't going to be a an easy path for him, uh I kept hearing that, you know, uh, to the point where I think I even ran it by people once or twice. I was like, is there any, you know, any truth to this? And he never gave up on baseball and, and, and he's getting rewarded for it now. I guess the big question is whether or not I should put him on the Royals top 30 now. I mean, he was on for years and years and years. He was not on it this year, um, but obviously he's had a very good year in AAA and has made it to the big leagues. I don't know how long he's going to be there. He's 26. Triple-A numbers are inflated. I don't know. What do you guys think? Should, I, I should would Bubba say, Starling be on the new Royals top 30? I would vote no without looking in depth the list, just from the standpoint that I just don't think he can hit 
I, I don't think he's going to hit enough to stick in the big leagues. I, I'd, I'd rather go for an upside. Like to me, it's crazy, but now he's not a ceiling guy to me anymore. He's a fifth right. outfielder who can play defense and run a little bit. Um, I, I just, I mean, I'm glad he got there. I'm just not sure he's going to hit. Fair enough. Right. And if, if he does, if he does stick uh, for long enough, he's, you know, he'll probably graduate, but yeah, it's a good, it is, it is a question. I, the Royals definitely had a lot of ups and downs this year with some of their, a lot of their young hitters really struggling, but their, their older pitchers are uh, doing really well. So, but where Bubba fits in that mix is an interesting question. I can see him sneaking out the back, but I have not looked at it too, too closely. And that is obviously your decision to make. Mr. Jonathan, Mayo. we leave it. All to right, you. fine. We leave it to you. We leave it to you. Uh, from one 26-year-old recent call-up to another, but this one is very, very, very different, uh, gentlemen. Now, uh, <laughs> Robel Garcia. Now, I want to ask you guys a very honest question. Where this is this is a safe space, okay? Had either of you heard of Robel Garcia before this season began? I certainly had not. No, no. No, I hadn't even heard of him before he got called up to the Cubs, to be honest. I mean, he was having a big year. He got off to hit a hot month in double A. Then he had a great, you know, couple months in triple A, like a lot of guys have had. But like, until, you know, when he came up and he homered in, in the big leagues, I was like, who is this guy? And I mean, I mean, he hadn't even like, I don't think he'd, he'd barely played any full season ball and had not had any success yes. when he was last in the minors in 2013. So right. I have I have never heard of this guy. And keep in mind, Jim has been doing Jim has been doing the Cubs top thirty like since since <laughs> the Cubs entered the National League. Well, he but he only became a Cub this year, so that wouldn't have made a difference. Well, fair enough. I, I, I was not working on the Team Italy, uh, my my Italian league top ten prospects list. Uh, I'd let lapsed in 2012, so I right. totally missed his time over there. You didn't do the Indians back in 2012. No, no. Yeah, I got to I got to be honest, uh, Jim, I'm a little disappointed. Usually we can always count on you on uh, covering the most uh, obscure level obscure countries and whatever, but you've you've really disappointed here. Okay, so let's let's tell 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 our fine listeners the, the quick backstory of Robelia. So he signs out of the Dominican Republic uh, in 2010, uh, I believe maybe 2009, with the Cleveland Indians. And as you mentioned, he barely made a season ball. He was the, with the Indians until 2013. And then, uh, as this goes, well, I, this, I think this is fact. Now, now I sound like I'm, I'm speaking about some mythical <laughs> character, but honestly, that's fitting at this point. Um, he married uh, an Italian woman and, and moved in where he has been playing baseball for the last six years. And then uh, there was a, a great story uh, in The Athletic about, about how uh, Robel Garcia got covered, uh, which was basically that he was playing with Team Italy uh, in fall instructs um, against the Reds. And a Cub scout was watching and was like, who is this guy? This, this guy looks like he can, he can hit uh, because he'd been, he, he, you know, he had Italian citizenship at that point. He was over to play. And the Cubs signed him and he went straight to double A where he proceeded to hit uh, 295 with uh, a bunch of home runs. And then he promoted to AAA. He had 15 home runs in AAA in 50 games. Now he's in the big leagues and on a team that is, of course, filled with first runners and famous players and big free agents. And there's Robel Garcia. Can you guys, again, as, as, we, both, as we both all agree, we, we'd never heard of this guy before. Can you remember anything like this or a guy that had come out of nowhere to this extent? Any other recent precedent come from overseas or been out of baseball? Or is this just completely unprecedented? Jonathan, do you, do you remember like this before? Um, I mean, honestly, the the only story, and it, it's apples to oranges a little bit, but the only story that at all comes to mind is Jim Morris. The, <laughs> I was thinking uh, the same thing. The uh, you know the 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 teacher slash coach, yeah, the rookie uh, played by Dennis Quaid in the movie, and I remember uh, interviewing Jim Morris when he was up with the Rays. If people don't remember that story, just 
go watch the movie. But uh, no, it'd be, he, had, he had given pro ball a try, had gotten hurt, was coaching the team. The team uh, told him if they, if they won their title, he would have to go try out for a team. And he's like, yeah, whatever, because they weren't expected to do much. And then they won. And so he went and tried out. And I guess from all the years of throwing batting practice and everything, he, he didn't even realize it, but he was throwing mid-90s um, and got signed and ended up uh, ended up making it up to the big leagues and spent a couple years in the bigs before the arm gave out. Uh, that is the only story that is remotely uh, remotely close to this. I do I do have a working title for Garcia's biopic though. Oh oh yeah yeah well, what what do we got? Yeah well it's it's got to be Robel without a cause. Thank you very Robin's much. Been sitting on that one since he got promoted. <laughs> I, I, see the other story that reminds me a little bit of it um, is Rubio Durazo, who I think had played some junior college ball. You know, didn't go on to a four year college, didn't get drafted. I think he played in the Mexican league a little bit. You know, nobody knew who this guy was. You know, he signs with the Diamondbacks in 1999. He goes out and he hits 404 in the minors, 403 in El Paso and 407 in Tucson. Puts unbelievable minor league numbers up. Then he comes up and puts up a, a thousand fifteen ops in the big leagues with the Diamondbacks yeah. at the end of the 1999 season. You know, winds up you know being part of the player. Even hits a home run in the NLDS. Um, so like he was a guy who kind of came out of nowhere. Two, you know, even to a greater extent, although, I mean, he's certainly, you know, the Mexican league is certainly a higher caliber of play than the, the than the Italian league that, that Garcia was in. But, the, but that's the only other guy I thought of. But yeah, it's, you know, like Jonathan, you just mentioned with Bubba Starling, I'm, I'm doing our Cubs top 30. And I had somebody ask me like a couple of weeks ago, I think on a radio show, like what to make of this guy. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I have no, like, who do you compare him to? I mean, the guy was basically a 200 hitter and in, in, in barely played in, in low A when he left, you know, six years ago. Um, but he's hit everywhere he's been, including, you know, briefly with the Cubs this year. Yeah, I think uh, guys like Garcia and, and stories like Garcia are just a reminder that as much work and resources that we all, you know, like to put into prospects, there's always going to be someone that shows up and makes you scratch your head and you, you, there's nothing you can do. Even, even Jim Callis has been stumped, has officially been stumped, um, even if you don't want to admit it. Um, let's go back to a couple other prospects that, that recently got the call. Uh, we, we are a little bit more familiar with. Let's go back to another uh, top five overall pick. Brendan McKay uh, called up by, by the Rays recently. I think he, he just got sent back down. He's kind of been up and down uh, between uh, AAA and the big leagues. He's made a few starts. He's looked really good on the mound. And, um, I, I wanted to kind of just check in on, on where we're at with McKay. Uh, and Jonathan, uh, you know, there's been some some consternation about like, okay, is McKay gonna get the opportunity to hit at the big league level? He's been so dynamite uh, on the mound. He's really been inconsistent and, and struggling uh, at the plate. Um, what do you see McKay's future uh, at this point, Jonathan? I mean, if it were me at this point, I think I would probably drop the hitting and let him pitch. Uh, that said, I do think that you could make the argument that the hitting has not held back his pitching. He has been lights out. Um, he is having the best year on the mound that he's had since he was drafted. I don't think it's not like he's been slowed down all that much because of the hitting, maybe a little tiny, but he's only 23. Uh, and if getting the chance to swing the bat on occasion 
helps with his routine and stay in the right mindset for how he has pitched uh, pretty much everywhere this year uh, and overall, then stick with it. What has he got? Four at bats in the big leagues. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't watching. I mean, I think his future is clearly as, uh, as a, as a pitcher at this point, uh, if they wanted to let him DH now and again, it's not taking up an extra roster spot. If they decide that it's not going to help them win any games, then, then they'll have to pull the plug on that, I think. But uh, for now, I think they could let it go. And I don't know, maybe he pinch hits uh, on, on occasion, like you see, you know, especially in the National League, if he's not going to hit regularly. But uh, it, it's not like you say, oh, if he stops hitting, his pitching is going to take a, a big jump forward. Um, I don't know how he could get much better than he's been this year. And he's got a, what, a, uh, he's got a 185 career ERA in the minors. Um, and a 179 batting average against, you know, all of his numbers are really, really good. And they've gotten better as he's moved up. So, you know, I could see making the argument that he shouldn't bother hitting, you know, anymore, but it's certainly not hurting him in, in any way, shape or form in terms of pitching development. It's interesting, you know, since he made his big league debut at the end of June, he is not hit. He only hit one game. You know, they gave him a start in the big leagues, but he hasn't hit even when he's been back down to the minors. And, you know, he, he's pitched so well. And at the same time, the minors I think he has like a 216 career average. I, I, I'm with you, Jonathan. I, I think he's he's just too good as a pitcher. And I liked him more. I, I thought he'd be better as a hitter coming out of college at Louisville when he was number four overall pick in the draft. But, you know, we, we talked about this earlier in the season. It's just – He's not at the same stage of readiness in the two things, and you can't – it's not holding him back pitching-wise, but I think he's so good pitching-wise, why don't you let him maximize that? Because you know, as a hitter, honestly, I mean, the only place he's hit in a small sample size is AAA where the balls are jacked up. I mean, he hasn't hit in A, He hasn't hit in high A. He hit okay in low A. So, I mean, if you were developing him as a hitter – You'd have him in double A right now trying to play every day. And I don't think you're going to be, you know, he, they're playing 25 man roster games by having him go, you know, down to the minors between starts and then back and forth, what have you. But, you know, he's, he, you're not going to be able to have him learn to hit at the major league level. I don't think, or, or make the, the, the further adjustments and development he needs. And while it hasn't held him back, I think he's so good as a pitcher, obviously, you want him to get the most out of the pitching he can. So I, I'm with you, Jonathan. I, I think it, it's kind of cool that he can do both, but the the pitching's clearly ahead of the hitting. And I think he's going to be more, you know, like, okay, you know, maybe if you run out of, you know, hitters and you need a guy late in the game to pinch hit for some reason, you know, he could do that type of thing. But I, I don't think we're going to see Brendan McKay as, as anything close to a full-fledged two-way guy in the big leagues. Yeah, and I think I agree with that, right? It's 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 not his fault that his his pitching is is basically rushing him as a player. I mean, that's it's a good problem to have. And while I agree, it's not really holding him back. Um, his you know whatever work he's doing on his hitting is clearly not affecting his pitching uh, at this point. It feels like the Rays um, who, who are just going to be like, all right, dude, let's 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 just see a throw. So he has been very very impressive thus far. Right, one more guy, recent call up uh, that I did want to touch on uh, is is a, a very very young right hander, Andres Munoz with the San Diego Padres, still just twenty year old um, and uh, arguably one of the hardest 
maybe the hardest throwing pitcher uh, in the minor leagues. Uh, and you, you guys are well correct on that. I know he was up to like 104 on a minor league stadium gun, 101 in the fall league. Uh, he's already been comfortably over uh, 100 in his uh, in his first few uh, major league outings. Uh, is this a guy with with closing potential? Obviously, when you see a guy throw that hard, that's the first thing you're going to think. Or is there still a lot of development uh, with the secondary stuff in the command uh, before we see him? Innings? Obviously, the Padres have one of the best closers in baseball this year with Kirby. Um, but how excited are you guys about Munoz? Jonathan, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime a guy with that kind of electric stuff makes it up, it's exciting. Uh, you know, it's, the fact that he's made it up at, at this age, I mean, they've they pushed him pretty quickly. You know, you know, obviously they did if he's 20 and making his, his big league debut. Uh, he was 18 when he pitched in, in the fall league and was really good. Um, I think the biggest – Question will be if, if, in terms of what his ultimate role is, is will he throw enough consistent strikes to to close? He, you know, he's closed a little bit in the minors. Um, some of that I think is because of command, and some of that I'm sure is they didn't want to put too much pressure on him as he was developing as a pitcher. But you know, with one of the best fastballs uh, in the game and a and a solid slider uh, to go along with it, it's enough I think for him to close the. The slider is not, um, you know, one like plus plus you see and you're like, oh, my God, how does anyone ever hit this guy? But the fastball's got a ton of movement to it, and it's, you know, upper 90s, triple digits consistently. Um, but he does, you know, the, the walks have hurt him. I mean, five and a half walks per nine in his career in the, in the minor leagues. Now he's been he was better in triple A this year. Uh, which is a good sign, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. He's going to miss bats. He's going to miss a lot of bats. Um, and if he can be around the strike zone enough, I, for me, he's at least a, a really good setup guy. And I think that if the command comes a little bit more, it doesn't have to be pinpoint to be a closer. Um, but I feel like these days, you know, guys who close aren't. You know, I remember as a kid, you know, I grew up watching Goose Gossage, and I felt like he would walk the bases loaded and then strike out the side every time out. Now, obviously, that's not how it went, but it sort of felt like that's how it was. I don't think there's that kind of leash with closers now. So you need at least an ability to find the strike zone consistently. So if the step forward that he took in El Paso while he was there is for, for real and he can sort of manage the walk rate a little bit, then I think he has every chance to, to close. The good thing is that there's no rush. I, you know, he's so young. He could spend a couple of years learning under anybody who's closing for San Diego, whether it's now or in the future, uh, and eventually sort of grow into, into the job. Clearly the stuff is good enough for him to get big league hitters out now. Yeah, and he's uh, he will be the, the youngest pitcher, or he, I guess he is now the youngest pitcher uh, in all of baseball. Uh, Jim, anything on on Munoz, who who came from the same uh, Mexican league team, uh, I believe, as as Luis Arias, um, the other prospect here, So Ornelas. Uh, how how they found him is also obviously interesting. There aren't that many uh, top uh, Mexican pro- prospects in the minors right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I remember his Arizona Fall League stint. I mean, I, I think in eighteen, he's he, I don't know what the record is, but he might be the youngest pitcher in Arizona Fall League history because we don't get too many eighteen year old pitchers there. You get some young hitters, and I remember doing the the a military appreciation game broadcast with Joe McGrain. It was a night where Ronald Acuna hit two home runs, and Lamont Wade had a horrifying outfield collision and 
and had to be carted off and it wound up being okay. But Munoz came in to pitch at the end and it was, it, Joe and I were just like, this is too much. Like he's like, there'd been so much that had happened in the game already. And he, he was throwing 101 miles an hour and his slider was a wipeout slider that night. And we're like, how can this guy really be 18? This, this stuff's ridiculous. So, you know, I, Jonathan, you know, I, I think, you know, broke it down pretty well there. I mean, if he, if he throws strikes, then, you know, I think you have a closer. Um, and, and if not, you know, it, it, this is stuff still so nasty uh, that, that he's, you know, going to be really effective. I mean, just another example of, you know, from the extremely talented Padres farm system. Yes, indeed. I highly, highly recommend. He has been a lot of fun in his first few outings. So if you've got if you've got MLB TV, I cannot recommend tuning into Mr. Munoz's innings enough. All right, uh, we're pushing a half an hour here, but I do want to get quickly uh, to some 2020 discussion. Um, and uh, because we, we recently got the Best Under Armour All-American will be taking place in show uh, in like a week, right? It's pretty, pretty, pretty soon. Uh, and then we have even closer. The Under Armour game is um, oh, yeah, Monday. Like a Monday. All right. So less than a week. And we've got the Perfect Game All-American Classic uh, happening at Petco Park on August 11th. Um, so we just had in Cleveland the the first ever PDP uh, League All Star Game. So we got we got to take a look at some of those um, some of the top high school towns for 2020. And uh, a, a lot of these two games, uh, Jim, you mentioned you will be at the Under Armour game. We never really got a chance to talk about um, the the All Star or, or sorry the high school events last week after our, our Futures Game podcast. Um, but are there any any names that, that you're excited to see at, at another high school showcase event? Uh, some of the guys that we can expect to see there again, uh, outfielder Dylan Cruz, high school uh, outfielder from Florida, Austin Hendrick, uh, of course, uh, representing representing Pittsburgh very well, uh, outfielder from Pennsylvania, uh, Ben Hernandez, right-hander from, from Chicago, will also be there, um, Jack Bulger, a catcher from Maryland. Uh, he's another one who's, who's been in all these events. And then one who I, I didn't realize, uh, Dayton Moore's son, uh, Robert Moore, who's who's been uh, appearing uh, at a lot of these events. So I just threw out some names there, but if, if I missed anyone, you want to yep. shout anybody out there, Jim? Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of those guys at the PDP and at the All-Star game. I, I guess a couple of guys I'm really excited about seeing are two of the better players in last year. I mean, last year, <laughs> next year's draft, uh, who aren't who weren't part of the PDP process. You know, Pete Crow Armstrong, who's an outfielder from from California, um, I, I think is kind of the consensus top high school prospect in the country. He, he'll be at the Under Armour game. You know, Jared Kelly from Texas is right up there with the top pitchers, top high school pitchers for next year's draft. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, you know, you rattle off a bunch of the guys who are good at PDP. Um, I don't think you mentioned Robert Hassel was another guy who, who was pretty good there. Um, you know, he's an outfielder from Tennessee. Nate Savino, pitcher from Virginia, lefty, has done pretty well. And I saw him. I mean, I mean, basically every player in that game has a chance to be a really, really good pick next year. Nolan McLean was an interesting two-way guy. Uh, Yohandi Morales is an interesting guy. Uh, you could just go on and on and on. Uh, you know, it, it'll be as usual. You know, Under Armour and the Baseball Factory put together a, a great, you know, set of talent and looking forward to doing the game, which is probably the, the craziest broadcast that, that either Jonathan or I will do in a given year because I'll be up in the booth and Steven Nelson will be the play-by-play guy. But then the other color guys are actually the managers in the dugout with Bill Ripken and Sean Casey. So uh, it's, I don't I don't know how Paul Severino and Scott Brown and now Steven Nelson keep all the traffic going uh, as the play by play guy. But there, there's an awful lot going on on that broadcast. Yeah, I, I you know, I did that broadcast. I did that broadcast for a couple of years and I, I remember the first year doing it. And they just decided, you know, uh, the first year doing it where they were, they had 
the managers mic'd up and they said, you know, we're going to leave the, the mics hot for the entire game. With Larry Boa. <laughs> yeah, it was Larry Boa and Billy Ripken. And there was um, fear. <laughs> uh, I think it's, it was just pure fear that I, you know, both Billy and Larry are very competitive and that they were going to get really excited and perhaps say things that are not welcomed on on a network uh, like MLB Network. But everyone behaved themselves, and it actually was really entertaining uh, because not only did they bring a lot of energy, but uh, both of those guys really got into what they were doing there. And, and <clears throat> uh, Billy always, and I don't know if this is still true, but he always spent a lot of time with the players in the days leading up to the game. It wasn't like he just dropped in to – to manage the game as a sort of a, a celebrity figurehead. So he actually knew a little bit more about the, the players than he would think. And it, it made it for like a very interesting, uh, very interesting broadcast. So um, I think all of that will be, will be good. And, you know, just Jim be aware because I, the last high school all-star game I did, uh, Harold Reynolds ended up running around the, the, the field during play for like an inning and a half. So you just never know what's going to happen. Well, I don't think Harold will be present, but if, if, if we see him, we will alert the authorities. I did. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what we would do with Harold running around Harold. on the field and, and, and Bill and, and Sean in the dugouts too. But uh, I, I don't yeah. think you'll see Ripken or Casey running around the field. I, I can tell you that. I would not even say I, I would rule it out and I wouldn't rule Harold out either. Harold is always there. You, you don't know it yet. Um, but but Steven Nelson he'll he'll be able to handle it. I, I trust him to uh, to do to do the heavy lifting for the production side. Uh, Jonathan, is there one uh, that stood out since we did? I'll just give you a chance to mention one, maybe one or two names um, before we before we get out of here. Yeah, I mean Jim mentioned most of the big ones. Uh, I'm kind of all in on Robert Hassel. He was my favorite guy from my time in PDP league. Um, you know, may have been the best all around player. I don't know if he'll get a chance to pitch uh, at this game. Uh, but uh, he's going to hit, I think, at the at the next level. And it, if he ends up being the best pure high school hitter from the class or among them next June, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Ed Howard, also from Illinois, who started kind of slowly. So when Jim was down at PDP League, didn't seem great. Finished strong, can really smooth actions at short. He's kind of an interesting uh, name to mention. And uh, you mentioned Pete Crow Armstrong, who I don't totally understand why he uh, – why he wasn't in the PDP league. Uh, but then there's, and then, and then blaze Jordan, who of course won the high school home run derby uh, out homering uh, AJ Vukovic by one homer on Monday night in the middle of all the uh, big league home run derby hoopla. Uh, so to Vukovic will be there too. He, he he's kind of an interesting guy to, to keep an eye on. Um, Jordan is a guy who you know, reclassified, uh, and that, that happened a little too late for him to be part of the PDP league. And so a you know, home run derby is one thing, but to actually see him against other competition from his new draft class uh, will, will be an interesting side story as well. Yes. Well said. Well said. All right, gentlemen, thank you for, for, uh, for doing this. Thank you for talking about everything from Bubba Starling to, to Rob Garcia to, to Blaze Jordan. We covered a lot here on this week's episode uh, for Jim Callis and Jonathan. Now I'm host Jordan Schusterman and we will talk to you guys next week. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. 
that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.